This is Mercy Harper, writer for Research Services at APQC. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to APQC Podcasts on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Today, I'm here with Craig Moss, Director of Data and Change Management at DSCI, to talk about supply chain data problems and how to solve them. Welcome to the podcast, Craig. Thanks, Mercy. It's great to be here. So here at APQC, we often find that on the whole, companies are drowning in data. It's just that too much of it is messy, inaccessible, or bad data. But for supply chain teams, it's a bit of a different story. Supply chain professionals often need more data, both from their internal partners like sales and marketing and from external partners and providers. And getting this data isn't just hard, it can also feel like a goose chase where you're buying and begging for data from all over the place. So I'm really glad to have you on the podcast today, Craig, to help break down this challenge. So first, we know that companies need new data and they need new data models. So Craig, what's the best place to start to make this challenge more manageable? You know, Mercy, it, it's really interesting because companies are making this transition with the supply chain to a digital supply chain. And we work with companies around the world on this topic. And as they do that, they're doing what we would call the front side flip, where supply chain is becoming more integrated with marketing and product development and becoming more customer centric. So as supply chain becomes more customer centric, they inherently need to have new data models. And one of the challenges there, as you already mentioned, is one is getting data internally from the different departments in my company that, you know, the, the sales data, the marketing, the forecast data, but also data from external customers and supply chain on the supply side. So as companies seek to integrate the data as part of this new model, it's really challenging for them in a couple ways. One, supply chain needs to keep running what they're doing while they're making the transition. And that's a challenging thing. It's like, you know, rebuilding the plane while you fly it, right? So that's hard for people to do. And within that, they're trying to integrate so many different types of data. So you could think about it, it could be like weather data, it could be data from uh, social media on popular trends, depending on the nature of your business. But in addition to that, they're trying then to become better at matching the demand data that they're getting. So historically, if you look at this, what, what often happened in, from a supply chain perspective, their back office, they're sitting in the back office and the marketing and salespeople come in and say, we've got a hot new product. We need you to make 2 million of these things. And supply chain says, you know, the last time you told us that you only sold 1.5 million and I had a half a million sitting here. That hurt my performance review. Mm -hmm. No, no, this time we're going to do 2 million. I can guarantee it. So it's a back and forth. Maybe the CFO gets involved to say, well, no, it would be great if, you, if we sold 2 million because we'll hit our, our revenue targets. And supply chain wasn't really involved. They were a reactive piece to it. So now as they go forward, they need to become more of that front-facing piece where they're actually up front looking at the customer data. And that does take, as I mentioned, the new data models. And it also takes a new way to think about collaboration in the company. 
And what we see in the future and forward-looking is that there are going to be need to be new performance metrics that are more integrated around these new types of data models also, so that marketing and supply chain and product development maybe have more common performance metrics instead of you being measured on sales and me being measured on like whatever it is, uh, inventory turns or things like that. So those are all things that are going to need to come together as we go forward. Awesome. Thank you. That makes a lot of sense. So let's start with the internal side. Craig, how do you think supply chain teams can incentivize their internal partners to share more data with them? So it, it's really an interesting point because a lot of this then goes back to, I touched on before, performance metrics, right? So if you're being measured on A and I'm being measured on B and there's no correlation between the two, you are less incentivized in marketing or product development to share data with me, right? Because it takes time, it takes energy on your part. You're thinking, no, I've got to stay focused on what my goals are. Why do I need to help supply chain achieve their goals? And so I think you need to think about it from a integrating performance metrics becomes one of the key things. And we at DSCI believe that their whole companies need to be thinking about new performance metrics for the digital supply chain. You can measure some of the things you used to, but companies need to be thinking about new things to measure that are gonna be more integrated. So once you've done that kind of integration of performance metrics, then people have a more common goal to achieve. And here's a quick story related to this. Um, we're working with one very large consumer products company. And a lot of the big consumer products companies are going direct to either direct to consumer or we call it direct to customer at DSCI. So as they go direct to customer, what's happening with this one company is they're setting up a whole new channel to go direct to customer. And they're doing a lot of work on developing customer profiles, scraping data on you, like what do you look at on the internet? What TV shows are you watching? All this information that they're able to scrape together on you. But what I ask them is, so you've got this new channel being developed, but historically you sold to huge retailers through a wholesale channel. If are you collecting and integrating that data between your wholesale channel and your DT direct to customer channel? And their answer was, well, no, we're not doing that yet. So my point to them was without that integration of data, you Mercy could do a lot of online browsing for product, but go to the big box retailer to buy it. This consumer product would not be able to see that. They would not have that kind of visibility. So both departments in the company lose in that kind of situation. And it really then becomes, what companies need to do is they need to think more holistically about the benefit to the company and in how do they create happy and loyal customers through this kind of new data model and this kind of new way to uh, make the supply chain front facing. Absolutely, and I love that story, really illustrates the point so let's turn to the external side now. Um, Craig, how can supply chains broker smart data deals with external partners and providers? So th this is something that um, we've been doing a lot of work on this, and we actually have 
Um, we're starting to do some work with Harvard Business School on this topic also. So what we have developed is a, a, a framework that we call data trading. And it, if, so if you think about it from this point of view, each company has data that is really valuable to them. And it, as we mentioned before, it could very well be siloed in different departments, but each company also has data that could be very valuable to their customers or to their suppliers. So you think about, let's go back to the same consumer products company, right? The same example. So with their wholesale channel, I ask them, do you actually know the age and gender of who buys your product in the big box retailer? And their answer was, well, no, we don't actually know the age and gender of who's purchasing it. We know, of course, how many get sold. We know what products being sold, but we don't actually know the age and gender. I said, well, how useful would that be? And they said, well, wow, that would be immensely useful to us because then we would know a lot more about what's happening in that store and who's buying the product. So I said, well, do you have data that would be valuable to that big box retailer? And they said, well, sure, we have a lot of things that could be valuable to them. Um, same store sales in that, in that geographic region, for example, things like that that would be really helpful to them so they would know where they compare. So what happens now is too often those two companies think that they need to do large-scale data exchanges and that they need the technology and they're going to be legal hurdles and all these other things. And what we're saying is, no, start really small. One of the approaches to this kind of external data trading is to start really small around a very, very specific problem or performance net metric to improve. So in this case, you could trade them, I'll give you big box retailer, aggregate same store sales for your region. And I just want the age and gender of who buys the, of this SKU. And that kind of trade is then is gonna solve my problem, gonna solve their problem. And the other thing that we found in, in looking at this is that the value of data is relative, right? There's not, there's not like an established market for data value. Mm. It's relative to different companies. So your piece of data could fit into my data model perfectly where it's of enormous value to me, but it could be low value to you. So that's the other thing we want companies to be thinking about is the relative value of data. And ultimately, what do you as a company have that is could be considered low or medium value to you that could be really helpful to somebody else? And think about this kind of collaboration and trading. A lot of companies then, when we've, we've put this idea in front of them, a lot of companies say, wow, that's absolutely fantastic, but it's a little too far advanced for us. We're not really there yet. And what I say to them is, let's look at the specific hurdles. So some people say, well, they're gonna be legal hurdles to that. Well, we worked with a leading law firm, Cravath and Moore, to develop a legal framework and a model contract for how data trading could take place without and overcome the legal hurdles. Another one is governance. People say, well, there's gonna be governance issues to this. Same thing. You should govern the data protection 
of data that's being traded or exchanged the same way you govern and protect any other data. So that really shouldn't be a hurdle. What it is, the hurdle is a mindset hurdle. You know, the mindset needs to shift. And here's another quick story. I was talking to one very large food and beverage company. And they said to me that the thing that's driving them crazy right now is that large retailers are setting up new departments to sell data to the big, to the big consumer products or food and beverage companies. So they set up a new department and his point to me was, Craig, they're trying to sell me this data for $5. Whereas if we just shared data more collaboratively, I could help them generate a million dollars in incremental sales. So it's this short-sighted idea that data is that everybody's got to sell it. In many ways, the bigger revenue generation opportunity is really around sharing it in strategic ways to solve very, very specific problems. That's uh, so much more actionable than, uh, than, it, than it first felt when I start, first started thinking about this. Thank you so much for coming on the podcast today, Craig. It's been my pleasure. I uh, really enjoyed it and uh, look forward to talking to you again in the future. Well, listeners, this is the second in a series of episodes about digital supply chain transformation with DSCI. Stay tuned to the APQC podcast feed for the next episode, where we dive into the people side of supply chain digitalization. And once again, I'm Mercy Harper. Thanks for joining us for this APQC podcast. Please go to apqc.org to learn more about our research. To learn more about DSCI and digital supply chain transformation, check out dscinstitute.org. Thanks again, and we hope you have a great rest of your day.